Good evening. We'd like to welcome anybody who's come here in honor of this homecoming mass and honor the celebration of our school spirit. And if you've, this is the first time you've been here, welcome to Our Lady of Wisdom. I'm sure some of you are probably surprised that I'm doing this mass and not Father Sibley. Trust me, I'm right there with you. In fact, the office ladies came up to me and this past week and said, Father Sibley's out of town, all right? And you'll be doing the homecoming mass. So don't mess this up. Don't get too angry, be nice, all this stuff. So I'm trying, I'm gonna do the best I can. So the reason why, you know, the reason why this is, this is a little bit of a, of a challenging kind of gospel passage, the reason why it's a challenging reading is because it's about marriage. And marriage, if we're perfectly honest, totally clear, is a very, very hard topic to bring up these days. In fact, so many of us, whenever we talk about marriage or bring up marriage, we look at marriage as kind of a necessary evil, as kind of a, 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 a side effect to the fall. And I think a lot of us would probably look at marriage and would probably all think and we all maybe agree, we'd all probably be a little bit more happier if love were free. And honestly, I probably would have conceded the exact same thing a few years ago. I'd have probably thought, you know, this whole marriage thing isn't exactly an easy road. It's kind of a, it's very difficult. And, and I would have often probably linked marriage to the result of the fall of Adam and Eve, or maybe an oppressive law imposed on us by the Lord to kind of keep us in check, kind of keep us in control, keep us from kind of getting out of line. And that was until I read, in my opinion, probably my favorite quote ever written by an English author, at least in my reading history. It was a quote by G.K. Chesterton in my second favorite book, not my first, but my second favorite book, Orthodoxy. And he was explaining how marriage, marriage is an essential. I don't think, I don't think anybody else would ever conceive of this except for this guy. He said marriage was an essential ingredient for a utopia. An essential ingredient for utopia. Not everybody, you know, being with everybody else, but marriage. And I find that was... His argument is incredibly fascinating, so much so that I want to read it to you guys. Now, granted, it's a little long. I, I get it. But even to this day, every time I read this, I'm, it all, it's always so invigorating. It's one of those, 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 those quotes, one of those acts of prayers that I just get so fired up about. And this is what it is. Without vanity, I really think there was a moment when I could have invented the marriage vow as an institution, out of my own head. But I discovered with a sigh that it had been invented already. But since it would be too long a business now to show how fact by fact and inch by inch my own conception of utopia was only answered in the New Jerusalem, I will take this one case of the matter of marriage as indicating the converging drift, I may say the converging crash of all the rest. I could never conceive or tolerate any utopia which did not leave me the liberty for which I chiefly care. The liberty to bind myself. Complete anarchy would not merely make it impossible to have any discipline or fidelity. It would also make it impossible to have any fun. To take an obvious instance, it would not be worth betting if a bet were not binding. 
the dissolution of all contracts would not only ruin morality, but it would spoil sport. Now, betting and such sports are only the stunted and twisted shapes of the original instinct of man for adventure and romance, much of which has been said in these pages. And the perils, rewards, and punishments and fulfillments of an adventure must be real. Or the adventure is only a shiftless and heartless nightmare. If I bet, I must be made to pay. Or there is no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight. Or there is no poetry in challenging. If I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I am unfaithful. Or there is no fun in vowing. You could not even make a fairy tale from the experiences of a man who, when he was swallowed by a whale, might find himself on top of the Eiffel Tower. Or when he was turned into a frog, might begin to behave like a flamingo. For the purpose of even the wildest romance, results must be real. Results must be irrevocable. And Christian marriage is the greatest example of a real and irrevocable result. And that it is why it is the chief subject and center of all of our romantic writings. And this is my last instance of the things I should ask and ask imperatively of any social paradise. I should be asked to be kept to my bargain, to have my oaths and engagements taken seriously. I should ask Utopia to avenge my honor on myself. Those are the words of G.K. Chesterton. I find that it's so beautiful because what he does is he points out that so often our world is pointing to a utopia where we have no responsibility. A utopia where we can kind of do whatever we want, with whomever we want, however we want. But what he's showing us is that that utopia is a nightmare. A great example of this, I don't know if y'all seen this movie, I'll admit I kind of fell asleep in the middle of it, but it's called Wally. -E. Have you ever seen Wally? -E? The little robot thing, you know, he kind of rolls around, you know, compacting trash in his own like little robot shell. Look at the people in Wally. -E. They're living the technocratic dream. They don't even walk for crying out loud. They just kind of roll around on their little hover rounds. And they drink smoothies because they're too lazy to cook. And what do they do? They're all looking at their, their, their little personal computers. I wish that were different, but that's very true today. But like, but they're all miserable. Because nothing they do has any meaning. Nothing they do has any effect. Nothing they do has any consequence. And if nothing has any meaning, nothing has any effect, nothing has any consequence, then there's nothing to celebrate. There's nothing to be amazed about. There's nothing to look at the world and say, gosh, that was a great job. And that's what Homecoming Week, let's be honest, is all about. We're celebrating the unbelievable fact where the past over 100 years, our fathers have built this university. We're celebrating the unbelievable fact that somebody and many people were committed to take the risk and give their lives to higher education. 
We're celebrating the unbelievable fact they could have done all that work and they could have failed. They could have lost it all. They could have bet on the wrong horse. They could have decided to study the wrong thing. They could have invested in the wrong buildings and could have all come crashing down. But UL, for all of its flaws that we may be able to find, is still in existence. And that's amazing. Because what that meant is that men and women had to get down and vow to themselves to make this place a better place. They had to get down into the dirt and fight against themselves and make this place a better place. That's why we have homecoming week. That's why we have this, this beautiful opportunity to celebrate this university. We're not celebrating ourselves here. We're not looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying how great we are. That's not true at all. We're looking at the unbelievable accomplishment of so many people who have gone before us. The unbelievable accomplishment that people worked to achieve. The unbelievable accomplishment that people, recognizing they could have failed, instead pressed on and succeeded. And that should be an inspiration for every single one of us. No matter what our vocation is, whether it's priesthood, whether it's religious life, or whether, for the most of you, marriage. And the fact of the matter is, is that our actions have consequences. And those consequences are real, and those consequences demand love. True love. Not the lies that the, love, that the world pitches about love. Not the lies that the world pitches that say love's a feeling, or love's just kind of an emotion. Or even worse, the lie that seems to be permeating so much of our culture. The lie that love is free. My dear friends, this university that we stand upon, the institution of marriage that we look at, the cross that we gaze upon, shows us one impeccable fact. One fact that you and I should always remember no matter what. And it's the unbelievable fact that love is not free. Love is bound. Amen.